All right, guys, wrap it up. Whoa. So good to see everyone this morning. Um, got some nice extra sleep. Wow. Thank you, uh, Catherine, wherever she is, for sharing all that good mission stuff. Good things are happening in the community. I'm so excited. Just after the, after the pandemic and having to you know, kind of not do a whole lot, especially food. I mean, how fun was that to do street tacos last Sunday? Wow. I can tell some of you missed it. <laughs> but you know what? The good news is the, the Guatemalan church that we share the space with, they're so excited and happy to do food that we could, because I was like, okay, we'll see you next week. You're going to do it. And they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know? <laughs> um, so there, we'll definitely do that again. And we're excited about this partnership with uh, the, the church is called the Potter's House, the Guatemalan church. They meet in the evenings on Sunday. Uh, we just love these guys. We're, we're just kind of like really meshing with them and uh, just, it's been a really good partnership. And just kind of theologically, spiritually, and just sort of the ethos of the churches, even though there's a different language, obviously, but um, it just, there's a lot in common. Um, actually, I took Dan this past Tuesday, uh, some of the city pastors get together. And so I took Dan with me and introduced him to some of the other city pastors. And he just like fell right into it and jumped right in. It was, it was awesome. But yeah, the baptism service was was incredible. I always get pumped up for baptisms, but I just feel like that, this is just me, but that was like my favorite service in 20 years. You know, we started the church in, unofficially in 2002 with Roger and Jackie and my wife, and, um, and then officially in 2003. But I mean, it was just, it was just to the moon. There was so much joy, palpable joy. Of course, I was in the mosh pit of, of kids over here, you know, trying to play guitar. I couldn't even hear the rhythm and what was good because there was all kinds of kazoos and different things happening down here. <laughs> just, I was just intoxicated, you know, down in this little pit. It was so fun. And of course, when people came up out of the water, everybody went crazy. Uh, but yeah, what a day. What a day. Those are, those are the best services. Um, so anyways, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share uh, what I'm just calling a fall reset. So we're taking a little pause on the Acts series, though I'll bring a few verses from Acts into this message. But just a little fall reset, because sometimes we just need to, we just need to stop, we just need to pause and, and, and kind of say, why are we doing what we're doing? Right? Like, why are you here? Don't answer, but you can think about it. Like, what are you doing here? Okay, we just like sang all these songs and, you know, we heard this mission stuff and we like, we, we just kind of, we're creatures of habit, we're, we're creatures of tradition and we can just like do these different uh, things and, and not realize like why we're doing them. We can forget the, the underlying purpose or we can even get away from understanding the mission of God. And that's really what I want to talk about today. Um, there is... Uh, I was just talking with somebody uh, this morning, a couple people, just this trend of, and for sometimes for good reasons, 
but this trend of pulling away from involvement in, in churches. Um, it's happening. It's almost an epidemic problem. I've been a Christian for t- 33 years. I have never seen anything like what has happened in the last like five years, seven, ten years. But it just seems to be like increasing. And, and you know, they say America's moving toward a post-Christian society, which we uh, we don't want that. You know, we're just we're believing God to bring a turnaround. It's amazing. We don't want to become like you know some of the the countries in Europe that used to be Christian and now they're just so not anymore. But we hopefully will not move toward. But New England, especially is kind of moving toward that. Uh, we're fighting against that, but all that to say, there's a trend of people just pulling away from involvement in the church. And again, I, I'm not sort of blaming the person for pulling. Sometimes it's just their own sin or they just want to live however they want. But in some cases, in many cases, actually, there's just so much brokenness um, in church leadership, in, in church cultures, there's so much toxic environment there. There's so many different reasons that people are kind of pulling away. And so really today I want to hopefully encourage you uh, to devote yourself to the local church. Now you may be visiting here this morning or maybe you're just checking churches out. You're in that church shopping mode. And so this might not end up being the church that you know is your home church, which is fine. But you can take all this um, as principle today. And I just want to encourage you that to love Jesus is to, to love his church. Um, you can't really be a serious follower of Jesus, but be isolated. Um, you know, especially in the New Testament, in, in the early uh, Christian church, to be baptized into Christ, you were just baptized into the church community. You were just part of the church. That's what it meant. That's what it still means 2,000 years later to be a Christian, even though we have our other uh, definitions or whatever. So this trend of pulling away from the church was uh, probably made a lot worse during the pandemic. Um, As you know, we lost so many people. Uh, I mean, I'm in conversation constantly with other pastors around the city and in other places in, in, in the country. But so many have um, kind of fallen away from their, their rhythm in, in the church. And so just to be honest, like not to, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, kind of zoom into Renaissance Church, like we, we took some serious hits um, you know, we, we really, we shrunk down to the smallest I think we've ever been uh, since maybe 2005 or 2006 in the summer. Uh, so it's kind of like the pandemic was, you know, the, the church at large was already a little, you know, a little, a little weak in, in New England. And then this pandemic came, this storm came that just, it just brought devastation to so many churches. And now we're in this season, this exciting season, of rebuilding, right? Think about places, towns, uh, or coastal areas that have been just destroyed or hit really hard by a storm. Well, afterward, there's just that work, right, of like sorting things out, removing the debris, rebuilding. Teams of people come in. They start to 
They start to rebuild it. That's the season. That's the moment that we are in right now. We're in a season of rebuilding. And so that's my purpose of this message is to kind of encourage you to help you to understand where we're at in this particular moment. And then, of course, call every one of us to play our parts well and call you to action. Well, the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to uh, talk through um, what I call just the three calls of, of church life or three components of Ren life, if you want to put it that way. And if you guys have that, uh, I don't know if Sarah's back there, that graphic, you can throw it up there. Just if you get tired of looking at me, you can look at the graphic. Um, Catherine created this nice little graphic that kind of gives us a, a picture of these three different components, love God, love one another, love your neighbor. It's, it's beautiful. So I'm going to talk through these things and encourage you. So the first one is this, love God. Now, this is really basic, but the, the, this is what we are called to do as a church together. Now, again, this isn't what you're to do individually at home and, you know, in your workplace. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about what are we, what is our purpose as a church together, okay? So part of our purpose, and maybe we could say the most important part of our purpose, is to love God and to pursue God, to worship God, to seek his face as a a community, and of course to listen to the word of God uh, preached or even in smaller groups discussed and that kind of thing. I'll give you a few verses uh, to root this in scripture. Acts chapter one, verses 13 to 14 says, and when they had entered, these are the disciples, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and everybody, the whole gang, it was 120 of them, and all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. This was the habit of the early church. Actually, Acts 12, we preached on a few weeks ago. Peter was in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And then Revelation 7, this is giving a, a picture, a glimpse of the future, really, of God's people. and says this. This is the, a vision, basically, of one of the disciples named John on the Isle of Patmos, many years after Christ was uh, risen. It says this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Now that's all symbolism. I'm not going to unpack all that. But in crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There's a song about that. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God. Can you see that picture? This is what we were born for. This is our purpose of existence. It's not an individual thing that we were created for, but it's a corporate thing. It's an altogether thing that we come together as one and we worship the king of kings. Now, for 2,000 years, this has been the thing that Christians do, right? Everywhere you go in the world where you see uh, 
gatherings of believers, what do they do? They come together. They don't, they don't just come together and eat, eat lunch together. Um, and, you know, I don't know, like go do some good works together, right? That's not what they do. Like that's part of what they do. But what do they do? They pray. They sing songs. They worship. Maybe they don't have instruments. doesn't matter. They, they come together. Maybe it's uh, 10, maybe it's 20, maybe it's 2,000, but all kind of different styles of worship and all these different kinds of, uh, you know, some are like loud and boisterous. And, you know, I've been in some of the, actually the Guatemalan church is intense. The music is like 40 times as loud as our music. It's like incredible. It's like you can hear the, you see these subwoofers? They use them, you know, they, they use them. I mean, you could hear it down the street. But, you know, like different styles and, you know, there's other styles that are more chill or whatever. But that's what it means to be a church is it's an assembly of believers experiencing God together, loving God together, worshiping God, gazing on the Lord together. Now, of course, we do this on our own as well, right? You know, we do this privately um, in our prayer closet and that kind of thing. But especially as Westerners, we're so individualistic, we lose the value of kind of the, you know, the collective aspect of this thing. And that is really what it's all about, is to come together and to worship him, which we did beautifully, and Kevin led us this morning uh, so good. But it's not just that. It's not just, you know, this plays out, it ran obviously on Sunday mornings, and that's where you see this love, God, all church gatherings, the Sunday service, midweek prayer, other prayer meetings. It, before the pandemic, we had prayer happening at one point, I think almost every, I think six days a week, um, we were just prayer was happening. It was beautiful. And then just, you know, everything happened and we're kind of built, rebuilding, <laughs> rebuilding. But this plays out in our Sunday gatherings. When we come together, we worship him. Uh, we sometimes pray together. Uh, sometimes we even, in the summer, because we were so small, we could break into small groups and we did some discussion and prayer for each other. It was beautiful. At some points, we've had uh, times of you know, prayer where if you want to pray, you could go into a prayer room or come up to the front and be prayed for. Listen, we need to work uh, hard in this, over this next year to rebuild the culture of prayer. It ran. Now, not, I'm not talking about private prayer. Don't, we're talking everything I say this morning. Think of it as a together thing. But we need to rebuild the culture of prayer in this church. Now, we're not, it doesn't need to be completely built from scratch. We already have it. It's there. It probably doesn't need too much. Uh, but we need to, to kind of pull that, pull that into, into action. All right. Let me hit this next one. So the next uh, second calling, if you will, of church life or Ren life would be to love one another. Now, in the New Testament, there's over 50 different one another commands or encouragements. I'll just give you a few of them, like love one another, <laughs> okay? Serve one another, carry one another's burdens, uh, forgive one another, be kind and compassionate, toward one another, live in harmony with one another, be at peace with one another, be devoted to one another, outdo, this is one of my favorites, outdo one another with honor, admonish one another 
that's kind of like worn sometimes, right? <laughs> do you ever do that with a, with a brother or sister? Like, ah, oh, that's not a good idea, you know? And you kind of give them, the, give them the word, you know, you feel like, because it's love, right? Lo- love is going to warn. Any, any parents in here know, know that well. Encourage one another. Uh, spur one another on toward love and good works. We don't really use that word much, spur, but it just means to... Uh, you know, just kind of motivate each other. Like, come on, you guys, Roger and Jackie, you guys are lame in the front row here, worshiping. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> These guys are superstars. But no, you know, to, to spur is to like move people, to motivate people, to inspire each other. We need that, don't we? Gosh, sometimes like, you ever just be like very uninspired, you're just kind of in a dull place and you just get together with somebody and they're just like in a totally different place and they're like so excited about these unchurched people that they're connecting with and they're hungry for God and they're opening up and all these things are happening and then you walk away, you're spurred, right? You are moved. You're like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm back. And, and you just kind of take their inspiration and, and go with it. This is exactly what scripture is saying in Hebrews spur one another toward love and good works. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So we can partially fulfill all these one another's during the couple hours that we're here, right, on Sunday mornings. Like we did it. We're trying to carve out more time in the service, 10 minutes or 15 minutes just to encourage each other and this uh, young lady over here gave me just uh, oh good word um, I was like you're gonna come up and preach this morning because that was such a good word like she probably didn't even expect it but she just spoke this thing that was basically without Jesus we're nothing and she said it much more eloquently but but that was that's an encouragement you know, it can happen here in these little ways, these little conversations, or maybe you pray for somebody after service, um, even greeting people, greeting one another. A little bit of the one another's can happen as we come together for a couple hours on a Sunday morning. Um, also serving, many people are downstairs serving our children. Uh, people are serving on security. There's people downstairs right now that are in the hallway bored, um, but they're serving you. Now, maybe they're listening to the talk. I don't know if they are. They're probably on Instagram or something. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's for Jesus. They're doing it for Jesus. But no, it's, <laughs> that's a way that we're serving one another in love. Um, all right. I came across a, a good quote uh, this week. Uh, by Andy Stanley, who's a pastor down in, in Georgia, Atlanta. He said, when everyone, which is funny coming from him because there's like 20,000 people in his, in his church, but when everyone is sitting in rows, you can't do any of the one another's. It's, it's kind of extreme. Like we could probably turn our head around and love on somebody, you know. Um, but he's making a point that the Sunday gathering isn't enough, that we do need to get together with people in smaller settings and, and do other things outside of Sunday morning, right? 
I mean, how many know Jesus didn't die? His vision for the church on the earth was not that like, yeah, we're going to just, we're going to do this thing and I'm going to redeem them and regenerate them and fill them with the Holy Spirit. And then my grand plan is for them to come together for 90 minutes once a week, maybe two or three times a month. What do you think? (laughs) No, it's to be a family, to really, uh, to know each other. Um, so that takes, some, that takes some effort. So this plays out at Wren best in our, what we call small communities, okay? And some know all about this. You're in a small community. Some, it's a new idea. So I'll just kind of break it down. Presently, we have five uh, different small communities with about 20 people in each, give or take. Um, they are arranged geographically, uh, to kind of make it easier, you know, if you kind of live in the same area, it's sort of easier to do spontaneous things and all that. Um, and so we have one in the south side, west side, uh, right here in this neighborhood, basically. Uh, one on College Hill. It's another universe. It's like way over. It's like really far away, a couple <laughs> miles over there. Um, there's one in Cranston. And there's one in West Bay and one in East Bay. Um, so the small communities gather one to two times a month. Usually they gather for like a, like a basic come together, share a meal, uh, do some prayer, just you know, kind of catch up. And then I know a lot of the, the small communities have been doing some fun things and even some mission things together too. Um, but the idea of the small communities is that we have a smaller, more manageable community to really live out the one another's. Now, if you're in a small community, it doesn't mean the only people you can love are the people that are in your small community. Like, obviously, there's like, what's the word, cross-pollination? I don't even know if that's the right word, but, you know, I don't even know what that means. Like, <laughs> sounds good, though. But, you know, there's, there's going to be overlap and certain groups. I think, I think uh, two of the small communities actually did one of their outings together. I think apple picking or something. So obviously there's overlap. We do mission, overlapping with different people, and you just might have friends that are in a different small community. So all that's good. But we're trying to, you know, just kind of set you into a small community where you can really go deep. All right, more I can say on that, but let me get to this third calling here. Love your neighbor. Love neighbors. So by this third component, you can see it up here, uh, love your neighbor. It's, we're really talking about all the stuff that, that Catherine was talking about this morning, the mission initiatives. Uh, this is God's, God's mission for the church. You know, It's the call to live and serve people outside the walls of the church building, uh, to go make disciples, uh, to rescue the perishing, to save those who are staggering toward death, like it says in Proverbs. Paul put it this way, to, to spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus. Now, again, when we read, as Westerners, when we read these verses, we always tend to, to, to read them as an individual call. Like, I am called the individual to be a soul winner or a fisher of men. I am called to go single, you know, handedly go out there and win people and be an evangelist or whatever. But it's, it's really, the more you understand scripture, it's, there's such a collective spirit to this. 
they were called to do these things together as a community, and of course individually too, but I really want to press that together aspect. Here's just a few verses, Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, um, Mark 16, 15, uh, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Acts 4, 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they, what they do? They, they went out and spoke the word of God, spoke the message of Jesus with boldness. So this calling plays out at Wren in this season uh, through what we call mission initiatives. You can see that up there, mission initiatives. And we have, uh, I think right now we've identified about 10 different focuses. We kind of hold them loosely. They could morph and overlap. There's just, you know, but refugees, homeless, uh, students, teachers, college, just the college communities in our area, artists, athletes, widows, families, neighbors. Uh, that, that's pretty broad. These, each of these is a huge segment of the population. But this is what we've kind of honed in on. And so uh, at our monthly core gathering, we meet in what we call mission huddles, okay, where we talk and plan and pray through mission ideas. So some of the, so people who have like a focus on, uh, I think the immediate neighborhood here, um, artists, homeless, uh, they, that's one mission huddle. And so they, they kind of work together and dream together and pray together. And then another huddle, one, the biggest one I think is the refugee uh, huddle. Um, they're doing some really cool things. And, and so they get together and talk and dream and pray. And this happens, again, once a month that uh, the core members uh, do that. For those who are interested in being part of the core membership, it's wide open. Just like let us know. We usually give a big push in the beginning of the year, uh, but you can people become core members at any time, and uh, you can jump in and be a part of these mission huddles. Um, so, yeah, I won't get into all the different outreaches that we're doing. So we've done a lot of things. Catherine shared uh, a lot of what we've done in recent months, and then things are being planned for the upcoming months. Uh, but we're still, we're just kind of getting back into the, into the groove. I mean, usually we have so many things going on, um, but we're, we're just kind of, we're, we're getting, getting back into it, which is really exciting. The nice thing about this season, for those that don't know, uh, from the beginning of the church, most of the things we've done for mission have been like kind of originated with me or I'm directing it or kind of, you know, holding it together. And during the pandemic, I was realized this is, this is bad. This is not, I mean, what if I get sick? What if I die? You know, what if, this is just not good. And then some years I'm like so tired or whatever, I'm a little just whatever, it's a crazy year. And so then we, as a church, we don't do that much missionally. Um, I realized that is a bad setup. So this, this year, we really flipped that upside down and created these different mission huddles. And I kind of float around and cheer everybody on in the different huddles and give people, I resource and equip and do all that. But really kind of putting the, the mission initiatives into the hands of the church. And which is great. So if I'm feeling tired one year, 
It's fine. Mission keeps going. With or without me. Can someone say amen? Amen. Amen. Well, here's my closing thoughts. I'll bring this in for, for a landing. One of the strange things that can, that can happen in all this, and it usually happens gradually, is that we can lose our heart for the things that are important to God. Right? We just we lose our motivation, um, our passion to love God and serve the church and, and, and do mission. It just, right? It just, it just fades. So I, I don't even know how, it's not one thing that makes it happen. It just seems like over time, it can just be eroded. And we find ourselves in this place of being, I like the word dull. We just feel kind of spiritually dull. Um, Hebrews talks a little bit about this. It says this. Um, oh, I thought I put the verse in here. You know what? I think I erased it. That's what, trying to do two things at once. Anyways, it's in Hebrews 5, uh, verses 11 to 13, whatever it says in there. It's, it was good. No. Uh, <laughs> basically, it just says, like, um, in so many words, like, just, you know, that our hearts can, can, become, can become dull. Like in Paul, he's being a little bit biting. He says, you guys should be teachers by now. Um, but you've, you've kind of, oh, here it is. This is great. Oh, thanks, Carlos. <laughs> it's a team effort. See, this is perfect. Exact, you know, we need, we need each other. Yeah, you ought to be teachers but you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. You can keep it there. Um, but yeah, this can happen to all of us. We kind of need to go back and get the basics. We become dull. It's not that we don't believe, I think, everyone in this place. We know, like if we say, what's the greatest command? Love God, right? With heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor. Like we all know we're supposed to do that with all of our heart. Like, I don't think anybody says, like, no, I just think we should love God with, like, half a heart or with a lame heart, you know? Like, just kind of give them the scraps. Like, we know, like, I don't know. Does anybody really believe that? Of course we should love God with all of our hearts, but we find ourselves in this place where we're just, like, kind of not feeling it. And it's a sad condition that, if we're honest, every one of us has been in that place before, Right? multiple times. I know I have. It's a long journey. It's hard to keep the fire burning, you know, every single day of every year, year after year after year. There's just like a million things that try to quench the, the fire. But it's essentially a motivation problem. You know, our heart gets uh, weighed down by the cares of life, or we're just getting tangled in stuff. Have you ever just had that happen? You're like, where, what happened? I don't even know what happened in the last month. You know, just like all these little things. It wasn't like a, oh, I fell into sin or this big thing happened. It's just like sometimes the little tiny things that just weigh you down. Well, Hebrews 12 says that, right? You know, get rid of every sin and the weights sometimes, and run the race, right, with perseverance. So 
sometimes uh, it's just weights. It's just stuff weighing us. We're trying to run this race and we're going really slow because there's all this stupid stuff you know, tied around our ankles and you know, around our neck and everything. We're just kind of weighed down. Got to shake all that stuff loose. So what should we do? I want to say this. I want to admonish you, encourage you, exhort you. Don't be led by feelings. I think this is one of our biggest mistakes. We wait for feelings of inspiration to sweep over us and move us into a fresh passion. You could be waiting a long time. Because, uh, you know, it doesn't really work like that. I've found that it rarely works like that. Renewal, like that renewal of passion rarely happens like that. It happens rather when we make space to wait upon the Lord and listen. And listen to what he says to do. I think part of, the, part of the secret isn't that we have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours and days and we have to go up into the mountains and pray and fast for 40 days. We, don't, we can't do that. We have lives to live. We have families and work. It's not so much like the sheer number of hours that we spend with God. I mean, it's good to spend extended time with the Lord, but it's more about how well you're listening. What is he saying for you to do. Listen and do what he says. I've noticed that renewal is usually the adjustment of about a hundred things and not just this infusion of power that just hits you. Uh, like, you know, like, ah, oh, I'm just renewed in a, in a moment. It's like, yes, there are, mo- there are moments like that along the way. There's encounters, there's baptisms of the spirit. Like, you know, I believe all that. But sometimes if you're, if you're in, it doesn't renew you. You know, you can get this infusion that kind of kicks your butt and sends you on a trajectory, but you still got to adjust the hundred things, right? You still got to make those little adjustments. So what I'm saying is the secret to renewal is to listen and obey. If our heart is dull, it's, probably because of some sin or sins that we're not seeing or overlooking in some way, or we're just entangled in stuff that God is saying, you need to just cut that out. You need to just get rid of, you know, no soldier entangles himself in worldly affairs, right? It says in, in, in Timothy, Paul was speaking to young minister Timothy. There, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's the, it's the, it's the stuff that's not sin that, trips us up the most. Because we're like, well, there's something wrong with it. Yeah, I know, but it's like you spent 100 hours this week on video games. Like that, that, that's, not, that's not good. Well, there's nothing wrong with video games. I think God designed them and, 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 and intended for us to enjoy video games. I, pro, I, I guess, like, um, actually, I disagree, but no, no, but no I mean, I, I think like all of the, the things that we get entangled in sometimes are usually good, good things because we're Christian, you know, we're not going to go whatever to look at porn or do stupid things or go 
do drugs or something. Like we're, for the most part, you know, we 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 kind of keep it together. But it's it's just those little things, those little legitimate things that just tangle us and pull us away from from the Lord. So watch out, watch your life carefully. It's funny that uh, Kevin mentioned surrender because I ha- literally had that in my notes, and I uh, and I you know, there you are. <laughs> And I did. I, I we didn't communicate. I didn't know you were going to sing that song, but there it is, right there. Return to the place of surrender. Listen and obey. So again, um, just want to end my talk by encouraging those who are not part of the core membership. If you, no pressure, you know, but just be thinking about it. Uh, you don't have to like sign up today, but. Um, but be thinking about it over the next couple months. So as we come into 2023, uh, you will, you know, you'll you'll have thought it through and and, and just kind of make that commitment. It's not the same as church attendance. There's people who attend a church, and then there are the core members. Um, so being a core member just means you've made a commitment uh, to play your part well. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you've like checked off all the. 185 boxes that the Renaissance Church elders have created to make sure that you're worthy of being a church member. It's not, look, we're like, none of us are checking all the boxes. I'm not checking all the boxes. Like, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm qualified to be an elder, but it's like we all have flaws and imperfections. And I think Chris Waugh was saying in one of his messages recently, you know, we're, you know, we're like coming together. Uh, to sort of journey together in this thing. You know, we're, we're all in process. Um, so don't not become a core member because you feel like, oh, I'm not good enough yet. Let me, let me uh, clean up a bit and then I'll... No, just, just come and we'll clean up together. All right, this will be my last, last story to illustrate my point of that it takes every one of us to make this thing happen. So uh, somehow I convinced my wife to test drive a 2019 Mazda Miata this week. (laughs) Oh my gosh, okay. This was a beautiful car. So we like show up and of course, you know, when you show up to the dealer, they have it right out in front there. You know, it's all cleaned up and perfect. The top, the top was down. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a work of art. This is just, this should be in a museum. It's so beautiful. And then you get in it, you kind of wear it. You know, you just kind of, it's so small. It's like one step up, I think Nikita said this, right? One step up from a motorcycle. I mean, it's ridiculous. You're like three inches off the ground. And you just kind of like wear this thing and just, and it is so fast and just rides so well. It was, it was the highlight of my year, just <laughs> test driving this thing. <laughs> we went, we parked in a school parking lot, did a photo shoot, video shoot, <laughs> the whole thing. I mean, it was, it was great. This is just like my new hobby, like go just test drive cars, <laughs> test drive sports cars. I mean, yeah, they, it's great. You just show up, you give them your license. They're like, yeah, have fun. Okay. I mean, we didn't even go in the building. Like, we, we showed up, because we had emailed and stuff beforehand. We just showed up, and the guy, right, guy came out. Eddie came out. He's like, here's the keys. Uh, get in. I'm, All right, see ya. <laughs> I just gave him my license, and, and we were out. 
But we didn't buy it. But if we were to take the Miata apart and spread out all the individual parts on the ground, I don't think any individual part would impress us. And if the parts were separated, it certainly wouldn't be able to move us from zero to 60 in less than six seconds. <laughs> oh, it's so fast. So fast. It <laughs> wouldn't be able to move us at all, actually. But listen, it's when the parts come together in harmony and each part plays their role exactly as the designer intended it for. That's when the car becomes stunningly beautiful and exceptionally fast. And I think you get the, the point. As lone Christians, we don't amount to much. But when we come into harmony with other brothers and sisters, we become a stunning reflection of the glory of Christ. And the missional drive of the church moves forward with blazing speed. Amen. Amen, that's all I got. Uh, thanks for listening this morning uh, to my encouragements and confessions. <laughs> um, I love you guys. Let me just close in prayer. We're not going to do worship at the end because we're already over time, but let me just pray for you. Father, I pray a blessing on every single person here. Um, Lord, I, I, just, I know there's such a mix of people in this room so many different kinds of people, some who are just like brand new Christians or some who have been Christians for 40, 50 years, um, just from all different backgrounds. And Lord, I pray that you would make us into a family that just works together in perfect harmony. Uh, we pray that we would be devoted to making this church the best it can possibly be to find its fullest expression. Because we know, Lord, I, I can't, even if I was the strongest Christian in the whole world, I can't make this church glorify you in, in its fullest expression. That, that takes all of us. So Lord, I pray that you would reveal to each, each of us like what, what our role is um, and just help us, God, if, if those... If there's some in this place that just feel that dullness of heart, Lord, just renew, I pray. Just do that renewal as they begin to make those little adjustments and begin to make space. Uh, just meet them and build them back up and give them that drive and that motivation again. Just sort of a fresh, a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you. We want to please you. We want to honor you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.